Welcome on into the Wasatch Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Dieters. Today's episode is a continuation of our roundup. Today we'll be covering the Eastern Conference. Um, covered the Western Conference about a week and a half ago. Uh, but this is a post-trade um, deadline roundup. Um, I had actually planned on doing this episode before the trade deadline. Um, but wasn't able to get it done in time. But So, I'll be covering all the new moves that have happened. This was an extremely active trade deadline. A lot of people got moved. A lot of teams made big drastic decisions for their future. Um, So we'll get on into that. Um, So first off, if you're unfamiliar with the format of this, these roundups, they're basically 15 teams, the Eastern Conference. You know, last time it was the Western Conference. 15 teams in one hour four minutes per team um so yeah so we'll get started first off is the philadelphia 76ers the 76ers are 32 and 13 they are they have the 14th offense with a 112.5 offensive rating and they are the second best defense with 107.3 defensive rating now they were in the sweepstakes to pick up uh, Kyle Lowry at this trade deadline. The Raptors ended up deciding to hold on to Lowry. Um, instead, the uh, the 76ers were able to make a move with the Thunder to pick up uh, George Hill. And they really didn't have to give up much to get this deal done. Um, it was some expiring contracts that they had in guys that really weren't in the rotation. And I think a couple second round picks. Um, now Lowry's or George Hill is not the same player that Kyle Lowry is, but George Hill, you know, six three point guard, can come in, give them some good aggressive defense on the perimeter, can knock down threes, can play off the ball. <clears throat> um, so a solid pickup there. So now we get to see is is the combination of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons enough to win a title? to be true title contenders. You know, they have other pieces around them, and like Tobias Harris, Danny Green, now George Hill. But can running two, essentially two big men as your star players in today's NBA lead to a championship? I think they have the defense to get it done. Um, the big question is, is their offense good enough at the end of the day to get, to, uh, to get them a title? And... Is their half-court offense good enough to get it done? You know, they their offense is really good when they can get out and run. Ben Simmons can get out in the open. Um, but in the playoffs, things slow down. And it's a lot harder to get out in transition and get those fast-break fast, yeah, fast buckets. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, is this 76ers team good enough to really be contenders? <clears throat> Or are they going to, you know, make their way pretty easily through the first round in the playoffs, probably through the second, and then get their butts kicked by either the Bucks or the um, the Nets? I don't know. So next up is the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are 31-15. and 15. They are first in offense with 117.9 offensive rating. They are 25th in defense with 113.3 defensive rating. Now this team, 
they did not decide there. They decided not to make any moves at the deadline. Um, they added Blake Griffin um, a couple weeks ago through the buyout market. Um, made the big old trade earlier in the year for James Harden. And now they're kind of, they, they've had their team. You know, they could add another center um, later on or, you know, another little uh, depth piece here or there. But for the most part, they have their team. So there's a few things that the, the Nets have to answer this year um, to be a title contender. First off, do they have good chemistry with this team? You have guys in James Harden, Blake Griffin, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. All four guys are used to running their own team, being the star player on their team, and now they're all playing together. Can they all accept the, their role? Take a back seat to the other guy when the other guy has the hot hand? Um, understand that when their shot's not hitting, they need to keep moving the ball. You know, do they have the right chemistry with the, this group to get the job done? Um, and another piece of that is they do have a first-year head coach in Steve Nash. Now, Steve Nash is a great basketball mind, but, you know, this is his first year doing this. And, you know, to be with with this many alpha dogs, basically, in the NBA, trying to, um, you know, keep them all in line, you know, keep them happy with what's going on, but understand that they can't be the number one guy at all times during every single game anymore. The second thing that the Nets have to figure out is do they have enough defense with this group? Like I said, they're the 25th defense in the league. Now, when you get into the playoffs and they really try to clamp things down, you know, Kevin Durant's a very good defender. You know, will his added effort clean up more messes around the basket? You know, can they add a, a backup center through the the buyout market, um, you know, and then the guard line with uh, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, you know, are they going to have to switch everything, or are they going to be able to go one on one um, for big stretches of the game and be able to still handle things on the defensive end? And then finally, who takes the last shot with this team? You know. They, you know, they'll always, they'll always say in their interviews that, oh, it's whoever has the hot hand, whoever, you know, gives us the best opportunity in that situation. But like I said, when you have, you know, we'll take Blake Griffin out of the discussion because he's had a couple years of being not a top player anymore. Um, but you still have Durant, Harden, and Kyrie Irving. All three guys are used to being the guy. You know, there's eight seconds left in the game. You're down by one or two. You have one last shot to to win the game. They're used to being that guy on their team that they're on to take that last shot. Um, and that, again, goes into their chemistry is can they work well enough together to understand that, you know, if um, Kevin is shooting 60% from three that night, it's probably best that he takes the shot that night or, you know, whatever. Um, so that's something that they have to figure out. 
and they don't have a ton of games left in the regular season to really figure out how this team all molds together. And along with that, you know, Kevin Durant has been injured for the last, I think, about month and a half. They still don't know exactly when he's going to be back and healthy. Um, so they, they'll have even less time to figure this team out before they get into the playoffs. <clears throat> so next up is the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are 29-15. and 15. They are the fifth best offense with 106.5, 116.5 offensive rating. Their defense rating is 109.3, and they are the ninth best defense. Um, now this team, about a week before the deadline, they made their deadline trade, going out and picking up P.J. Tucker. Um, now Tucker has really struggled on the offensive end this season, but he's always going to be a guy that... Um, has great versatility on the defensive end, can guard really one through five. I mean, he's at the point now where, you know, he's 35 years old, I think. He might be 36. So he's at the point now where you really don't want him guarding, you know, point guards and shooting guards anymore. But, you know, he can still guard, you know, threes and fours and fives as well. He, you know, he played a lot of center for the the Rockets in the last couple years. Um, now, I think the, the thing to f that the Bucks need to figure out is, do they have enough defense on the perimeter now? Um, you know, in the trade to get Drew Holiday, who is a very good perimeter defender, they had to give up both Eric Blitzo and George Hill in that trade. You know, and with those two together... You know, the offense wasn't as good as it is with Drew Holiday, but you had 48 minutes of great point guard defense with Eric Blitzo and George Hill. So can um, Drew Holiday, Dante DiVincenzo, um, you know, and they just traded away DJ Augustine in the P.J. Tucker trade, so they really don't have a true backup point guard anymore. So can Holiday, DiVincenzo, and whoever else they find give them enough defense on the point at the point guard position because when you're going up a team against a team like like the Nets you know who's going to stop Kyrie Irving um who's going to slow down um you know Kemba Walker with the Celtics or Malcolm Brogdon with the Pacers um Kyle Lowry with the Raptors so that's something that they they need to figure out is you know, they're going to add somebody through free agency, I'm expecting. And it's, you know, are they going to go out and add a guy like Jeff Teague, who's a scorer? Or are they actually going to address the problem of defense at the point guard position? You know, another thing that the, the Bucks need to figure out is, do they have enough shooting with this group? Um, you know, when you play Giannis out there, you know, Giannis basically runs as the point guard. Um, but when he's on the court, now you're down to four guys that can possibly be able to shoot. Um, and then you start surrounding him with, you know, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, PJ, Tucky, PJ Tucker, and uh, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, guys that can make shots, but, you know, they're not great at it. You know, recently I've, 
seen uh, Sam Merrill starting to get a lot of minutes with the Bucks because he's such a great three-point shooter, but he really doesn't offer them much anything else than that on the court. So, you know, I think I think this Bucks team has some some glaring weaknesses, but they also have probably the best player on the planet in Giannis Antetokounmpo. They have great role players around him and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. So they're, they're an interesting team. I think they, they have a chance of being a title contender, but I think they need to probably add one or two more guys to this group to really solidify it. And they got to be really careful with those two guys that they add, that they're going to fit in chemistry-wise, that they're going to fit in scheme-wise, all of that. Um... All right, so next up is the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks are 23-22. and 22. They are the 10th best offense with 113.3 offensive rating. And they are the 16th defense with a, with a 111.5 defensive rating. Now, the Hawks this last offseason were one of the very few teams with a, a lot of cap space. And they decided to use it. They added... A lot of veteran help. Guys like Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Chris Dunn, and Rajon Rondo. Now Rajon Rondo did not work out very well for them. Um, you know, Rajon has been a very um, helpful guy to very, very good teams. But if the team is not very competitive... He seems to kind of take it easy and just collect his money. So, at the trade deadline, the Hawks decided to send him to the Clippers for Lou Williams, which by itself is a good trade. You know, Lou Williams is a guy that, not a good defender, but can really put up points quick uh, on the offense bend coming off the bench. Well... The Hawks were also able to get two second-round picks out of that trade. So, personally, I think the Hawks definitely won this trade. Now, for the Clippers, it can, you can argue that um, this is something that's going to help their team chemistry and all that. Um, getting rid of a guy like Lou Williams, who's just been a distraction a lot of times in his career. But anyway, <clears throat> for the, the, the Hawks... Getting Lou Williams gives them a guy that when Trey Young has to come off the floor, they're not losing all of their offensive prowess. Um, I think they're, I think it's 11 points worse when Trey Young is off the floor on the offensive end. Um, you know, so that'll help you know bridge that gap, along with guy a guy like uh, DeAndre Hunter getting healthy now. Um, will help both the offense and the defense. Um, Onyeka Kong Kongwu is finally healthy and able to play some minutes and give them another uh, defensive center behind Clint Capella. Um, so this is a team that they look like they're in playoff contention, and I think currently they're the sixth seed, but it's, you know, between like four and... I think uh, 10 or 11, there's only just a couple games separating each each of these teams. Um, 
the one thing that's interesting with this Hawks team is that they decided not to trade uh, uh, I can't think of his first name now um, Collins I don't know why I can't think of his first name <laughs> um, but anyway they're power forward uh Decided not to trade him at the trade deadline. There were teams like the Timberwolves, the Knicks, um, that were interested in, in uh, picking him up. Um, they decided to hold on to him. He'll be a restricted free agent this offseason and will probably be in the neighborhood of like 20 to 25 million per year for his next contract. Um,. So the big thing with this team as we get to the playoffs is, you know, they've got their young core with Young, Collins, Hunter, Reddish, um, Herder, is can some of these vets be worth what they're being paid, basically? You know, can they do the job that they were brought in to do? So Gallinari, Bogdanovich... Um, now Lou Williams and Chris Dunn can, you know, two of the four guys, three of the four guys, one of the four guys can, can they get something out of those guys that can help push them into the second round of the playoffs, you know, making the playoffs for them would, would be a win. You know, they haven't been there in a, a little while, but, um, making it to the second round would really send a message to the fan base and everything that they're serious about this group and, you know, wanting to be a competitive team. Um, so next up is the Miami Heat. The Heat are 22 and 24. They are the 25th offense with 107.5 offensive rating, but they're the sixth defense with 108.8 uh, defensive rating. Now, a lot of their offense rating is due to Jimmy Butler just really struggling at the beginning of this season. Um, you know, they, at the beginning of the year, they're trying to, you know, they, they think they have something special in Tyler Hero. So they're trying to really get him going. They're trying to get Duncan Robinson tons of shots. And it led to Jimmy Butler being more of a distributor than being the lead man, which he he should be. Um, so once Jimmy decided that it was his show, um, the the Heat have been a lot better since then. Um, now they they made a few moves at the trade deadline about a week before the deadline. They traded uh, Myers Leonard and a second round pick to the Thunder for Trevor Reza, which will give them some some more depth on the wing. You know, Reza 6'8". He's also, I think, 34 right now. So he's not the same athlete that he was, but, you know, he can provide some shooting, can defend a lot of wings, not the, the very, very best wings, but, you know, he can help out the defense there. Um, at the deadline, they made they traded uh, Mo Harkless and Chris Silva to the Kings for Nemanja Bialica. You know, 6'10", power forward, who's just a knockdown shooter. Not going to give you hardly anything at all on the defensive end, but is just an absolute knockdown shooter. 
and they were also in the Kyle Lowry uh, sweepstakes, but um, as I said before, the Raptors decided that they are going to hold on to Kyle Lowry, at least for now, and uh, you know, so they didn't end up with him, but they did add Victor Oladipo from the Rockets, and one of the nice things about that trade was they really didn't have to give up much to get that deal done. Um, they sent the th- the uh, Rockets, Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley, and a future second, I believe. Um, and, you know, Kelly Olynyk was part of their normal rotation, but they're just about to sign LaMarcus Aldridge, and adding Bielitsa and Ariza kind of made Olynyk... Uh, somebody that they that they could ex- he was expendable there we go um and then Avery Bradley he was still a pretty good defensive guard just kind of got lost in the clutter with the heat um I kind of think both those guys have a chance of getting bought out by the Rockets and becoming free agents um but Oladipo for them gives them a guy you know 6'4 good defensive guard that had a horrible uh, quad injury a couple years ago and is still really trying to get back from that, was playing at an all-star level before that, Um, so he'll get the rest of the season with the Heat to kind of build back up his value and then he'll be a free agent this season. One of the things though that I think is going to be interesting with this Heat team. You've got Trevor Reza, who I brought up earlier, Andre Iguodala, who they traded for last year, and Goran Dragic. Three of their main guys that are in their mid-30s at this point. Um, do those three guys have enough still left in the tank to help push this team into true contention? Or are they, they over the hill? Are they their best years far behind them and um you know not going to be able to contribute because because if if two of the three guys are can give them something then they're in good shape but if you know both let's say both Ariza and Drogic or Ariza and Iguodala or whatever combination two of those guys can't give them much then the great depth that the Heat have starts to diminish. You know, they then they rely on guys that haven't been in that position any uh, before, haven't been in high pressure playoff conditions much before. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see with this Heat team is do they have enough, and can their older guys still contribute at a high level? So next up is the New York Knicks. The Knicks are 23 and 22. They are the 23rd offense, 108.6 offensive rating. They are the fourth best defense with 108.6 defensive rating. So their their offensive and defensive ratings are the same. Um, which, little side note, it's kind of interesting that 108 is a great a really good defensive rating now and a horrible offensive rating. I went back and looked at 
1970 or 1997 1998 season um which was the last year that michael jordan uh made to the champ made to the finals you know and went up against the jazz that season the jazz were the number one offense in the nba and their offensive rating was 110 which would put them below average in the league today but then like the top defensive rating in the league that year i think was like 93.2 or something crazy like that um nowadays number one is like a hundred usually somewhere around 105 so it just really shows the the difference in the way the game is played nowadays uh, much more fast pace a lot more three-point shooting um, a lot more emphasis on getting to the foul line um, which equals a lot more points and guys putting up a lot higher stats than what they were just 20 years ago anyway back to the knicks the thing with the Knicks is, are they really trying to win this year? Um, you know, and that kind of got answered by this trade deadline. Um, they didn't make any major moves, even though they had the ability to. They have a lot of salary cap space available. Um, and didn't take on somebody's bigger contract, but uh, still a decent player with that money. Now... They are rumored to be interested in Andre Drummond. But Andre Drummond really isn't that uh, that big of a difference maker. Now, he puts up great stats, you know, like 17 points a game and 14 boards. But he, does, he doesn't really do anything to add to your team's winning. Um... You know, he takes a lot of offensive possessions that could go to a better offensive player. Um, he's not a great defender. He's a big body in the middle. Um, but they they helped uh, to get that George Hill trade done with the 76ers. Um, they sent out Austin Rivers and Ignis Brazdikas in that trade um, just to help um, what's the word I'm trying to think of anyway just to help get that deal done but they didn't make any moves to try and improve themselves really um, now this team they've played defense at an, an extraordinary level especially to what where they were last year um, and Tom Thibodeau is is a big help to that you know, their new head coach. Um, so, yeah, that's the thing with this next team is, are they for real? Um, are they really trying to make the playoffs this year, trying to compete? Or are they maybe just getting lucky or, you know, overplaying their hand? Um, still don't know yet with this team. Um... Now, the big thing with this this team for their future is that they've got to figure out is are R.J. Barrett or Mitchell Robinson actually future stars or are they just decent players? Um, you know, Mitchell Robinson is seven feet uh, center, extremely athletic, but puts himself in really bad positions, um, doesn't have great instincts. 
just such a freak athlete that every now and then he makes an amazing block, but he's all often out of position. And then R.J. Barrett, you know, last year's number three overall pick, um, you know, six foot six wing, very much a sh- uh, a guy that likes to try and put up a lot of shots, put up a lot of points, but doesn't shoot very efficiently. So for the future of the Knicks, they got to figure out, can those two guys, can at least one of those two guys be a cornerstone to build around? So next up is the Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets are 23 and 21. Their offensive rating is, are their 18th on offense with 110.8. Their defense is 20th with 112.2. Now this team needs a center. Um, Cody Zeller gives them some decent minutes there, but he's more of a backup center, especially with his health issues. Bismack Biombo is just to the point where he's just a, he's just a fan favorite out there. He just, he doesn't really give them much as far as, you know, rim protection anymore. He's not a great, not a very good player anymore, but the fans like him. And so, and the coaches like him, so he gets minutes, but they need something else there. Um, I thought that they would try and address that during the trade deadline. The only trade they made was for backup point guard Brad Brad Wanamaker from the Golden State Warriors. And that was more just a deal to help uh, the Warriors shed some salary. Um, Now, there will be some guys available through free agency and the bio market that um, could be helpful there. You know, you Dwayne Dedman's still a free agent. John Henson's still a free agent. Um, as I said, Andre Drummond's about to get bought out. LaMarcus Aldridge is, has been bought out. Now it looks like he's going to go to the Heat, but maybe the Hornets can give him a better offer. Um, you know, Vincent Poiré's out there. There's a lot of replacement-level centers out there, but there's really nobody that you're looking at, unless you could get Drummond or Aldridge, that is a huge difference maker for this group. Um, now, with LaMelo Ball being injured for what looks to be the rest of the season, maybe he could come back towards the end of it. Um, I don't know that they're really in kind of a win-now mode anyway. Um, you know, they still have Gordon Hayward under contract for the next three years. Um, they still have a very young group. And with LaMelo Ball out, they can figure out if they want to pay Malik Monk and Devontae Graham for the future because those two guys will be free agents this year. Um, now, I, I could easily see this team falling out of the playoffs, but I could also see them getting on a run and being the four seed because, like I said, there's really not much separation between four and ten right now. Um, one of the things that I thought could have been interesting during the trade deadline didn't end up happening, but I, if I was the Wizards, I would have called up the, uh, the Hornets and tried to get MJ, Michael Jordan, to make a big deal. Um, the Wizards have Russell Westbrook right now. Uh, Michael Jordan's been a, a fan of 
Russell Westbrook for his entire career. And Russell Westbrook's on a very bad contract at this point, very overpaid. If I was the Wizards, I would have tried to see if you could have traded Russell Westbrook for Cody Zeller and Terry Rozier. Um, would have helped the Wizards out a ton. And the whole idea was basically tricking Michael Jordan. You know, playing to the fact that he likes these superstar players that have the same mentality as he does. The, the never lose, never say die attitude. Anyway, that didn't happen. I just thought it would have been interesting had that happened. Anyway. Next up is the Boston Celtics, which is really interesting that they are this far down. Um, you know, they they were in the Eastern Conference playoff uh, finals last year. They've been a perennial playoff team, constantly getting at least to the second round. And now, currently, they're kind of out of the playoff picture. They're in the play the play-in tournament currently. Now, they decided to make a few different moves during the, the deadline. They um, used their traded player exception that they got from the Gordon Hayward sign-in trade um, to pick up Evan Fournier from the Magic. Um, Fournier can come in, play the two or the three. Very good shooter, decent defender. You know, he's 6'7". He's, he's never... He's not going to be just a you know cannon fodder type guy out there on the defensive end to where they're going to attack him but he's not a great defender but anyway you know solid pickup for them there um one interesting thing that they did was they picked up Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett um and in return they sent out Daniel Tice Daniel Tice is a very good small center you know he's six foot eight but he's played basically this he's been the starting center for the Celtics for the last couple years and he's he's a good option there so I was surprised to see them let him go and in what looks to be just a salary saving mo uh trade um now Mo Wagner still very young you know he's 6'11 um so he has a lot more size than Tice um can stretch the floor out a bit um, and then Luke Cornett, seven foot two, um, can also space the floor real well. Um, but that really doesn't have any other real basketball skills other than that. So it's interesting to see the, the Celtics bolster their, their backcourt and their wing, um, rotation with Fournier, but at the same time, really weaken their front court by sending out Daniel Tice. Um, but anyway, so the Celtics currently are 22 and 23. They're the 12th offense with 112.8, and they're the 21st defense with 112.3 defensive rating. Um, so I guess the big thing with the Celtics team is, is there somebody in the buyout market that they're going to add that's going to help replace Tice um, and help fill in some of the holes that they have? Um because, you know, Fournier is on an expiring deal. So bringing him in, you know, they could always sign him to an extension later on, you know, re-sign him this offseason. But trading for him was very much a win-now move. Um, so it's kind of hard to figure out what the Celtics' thinking is right now. 
because they made, like I said, they made a win now move trading for Evan Fournier. And well, at the same time, getting rid of one of their, their better players in Daniel Tice. All right, so next up is the Indiana Pacers. Now, the Pacers, like the Celtics, are kind of a surprise this year. Um, usually, they are always in uh, good playoff standing. You know, one of the, you know, not usually one of the top three teams in the East, but top five, six teams. Um, so, them struggling is a bit of a surprise. But their record currently is 21 and 23. They are they are the 17th best offense with 111.3 offensive rating and the 11th defense with 110.8 defensive rating. Um, now this team, a lot of their problems have been because of uh, injuries, uh, COVID protocol type things. Um, and now they just found out that T.J. Warren is not going to be available for them for basically the rest of the year. Um, they added Karis LeVert uh, midway through the season during that James Harden trade. Um, and LeVert just barely got back to where he can play for them now. And it's been good for them. And, you know, once this team fully gets healthy, you know, Brogdon's healthy. Um they get the full group together I think they could be a very good group um but I think this season may may end up being a lost season just because of health issues and just the way this year has been um now they dirt uh before the deadline there were rumors that Miles Turner um Aaron Holiday um could be available for trade neither of those guys ended up getting moved um the Pacers didn't make any moves except for waiving uh Jalen LeCue um to open up a roster spot I don't know how they'll use that roster spot but that's all they did on deadline day um now this team the they have a very good uh you know top six or seven guys now like I said T.J. Warren's going to be out for the rest of the year but he's part of that group yeah also have Miles Turner DeMontis Sabonis Malcolm Brogdon Karis LeVert Jeremy Lamb and Doug McDermott um the thing for this group is is the rest of the supporting cast enough to make a difference um for this group guys like T.J. McConnell and Aaron Holiday um Jakar Sampson O'Shea Brissett, Brissett. Um, can those got can any of those guys step up enough to make a difference for this team and help push them in back into the playoff race? Next up is the Chicago Bulls. They are 19 and 24. They are 16th on offense with 111.4 defensive rating of 111.9, which makes them 19th. Now this team. Um, it's kind of interesting because it looked like with bringing in um, uh, Billy Donovan as their head coach and Arturis Karnasovas coming in as the GM, it looked like they were going to do more of a slow build. They have a very young group. 
but at this deadline, they switched that up and decided that they're in getting to the playoffs now mode. And I think a lot of that comes from the owner. Um, I think the plan was a slow build with this group. And I think the owner probably came to Arturis Karnasovas, the GM, and said, you know, you have to make the playoffs this year. Um, whatever, whatever's available at the deadline, I need you to get this team into the playoffs. We've been out of the playoffs for, for long enough now. Um, so with that, the Bulls traded for Nikola Vucevic uh, from the Orlando Magic who is now a two-time All-Star, um, offensive, just a great offensive player at the center position, um, has added the three-point shot over the last few years, um, and, but they, they had to give up quite a bit to get him, they, you know, they gave up Wendell Carter Jr., who's a young center that they've been developing after they drafted him seventh a couple years ago. Um, and Otto Porter Jr., who's a very good wing, and two future first-round picks. Um, now, I think having Vucevic and Zach Levine together will make them a very good offensive team, but I don't know if they have enough defense to really get the job done now. Um, also in that deal, they picked up Al Farouk Aminu, and in another trade, they picked up Troy Brown Jr. from the Wizards and Daniel Tice from the Boston Celtics. They have a very interesting front court situation now because both Daniel Tice and Vucevic can be starting centers in this league. Thaddeus Young has played really well from this for them this year, mostly as a backup center. Um, Al Farouk Amino is a guy that hasn't played well this year, but can play the, the four, um, play the three a little bit, very good defender, long and rangy. And then they have their young... Uh, Big in Laurie Markinen, who they've been trying to, to develop for the last few years, has had some health issues and whatnot. But uh, you know they've they've got a very crowded front court now, and it's going to be interesting to see how Billy Donovan manages all that and puts them all together. All right, so last five teams in the Eastern Conference, um, really only the Toronto Raptors in this actually have a chance. I think of. Uh, making it to the playoffs the Wizards may see that differently but um, yeah so next up is the Toronto Raptors they are 18 and 27 they are 13th on offense with 112 and a half offensive rating 22nd on defense with 112.3 defensive rating now this team did make some big moves or made some moves there we go um, during the trade deadline. The biggest one was they sent uh, Norman Powell to the Portland Trailblazers. Um, he was averaging almost 20 points a game this year, shooting real well. Um, in return, they got back Gary Trent Jr., who will be a restricted free agent this year, um, but is an interesting player for them to pick up. You know, he's 6'6", really good uh, pretty good three-point shooter good defender um, still very young I think he's 23 right now um, so somebody that they can develop or no he's probably 21 or 22 something like that anyway um, and then 
Um, they also picked up Rodney Hood in that trade. Rodney Hood was in there more just to make the salary make sense. Um, now they, he could be, end up being a buyout guy. Um, or, you know, he, he provides, uh, you know, something to a team. You know, he's 6'8", can shoot the ball pretty well, decent ball handler. Not a great defender, but, you know, he can get the job done. Um, other than that, they, like I've said a couple times before with the other teams, they decided not to trade uh, Kyle Lowry, which was really surprising that they ended up holding on to him. Um, but they did send Terrence Davis to the Kings for a second round pick and Matt Thomas to the Utah Jazz for a second round pick. Um, and when those two trades came across, it looked like they were trying to open up some roster spots so that they could finish off a Kyle Lowry trade. Again, that never happened. So now they have, I believe, one open roster spot. Um, yeah, and so they can take somebody in through the buyout. Um, they'll probably be looking at center just because Aaron Baines has not been very good for them this year. And Chris Boucher, while he's a good off-the-bench big, he's just so skinny that he can't really handle the better bigs in the league. They could be looking at people like, you know, Dwayne Dedman and John Henson, who have been free agents for a while. But also, you know, maybe they get in on Andre Drummond. Uh, maybe they look into like Kelly Olynyk or Myers Leonard, um, Vincent Poirier. Uh, so that's what I'm expecting them to do. The thing that's surprising with the non-Lowry trade, though, is he's 35 years old at this point. Raptors look like they're heading to a, a new uh, era in Raptors basketball with Van Vliet, Siakam, and Ananobi running the show. Um, so Lowry really doesn't fit into that. Now maybe they believe during the summer they can work out a sign and trade with him. Um, but if he just signs somewhere and they aren't able to work out a sign trade to where they at least get a big player uh, player exception like uh, the Gordon Hayward uh, sign and trade with the Hornets, then it, it's going to be a real big mistake for the Raptors for the fact that uh, or for holding on to him um, up to this point. So next team is the Washington Wizards. The Wizards are 15 and 28. They are the 21st offense um, with an offense rating of 109.4. They are the 27th defense with a defensive rating of 113.9. This is this is a team that can't really decide if they're going to be competitive or they're going to rebuild for the future. They're going to build around Bradley Beal. They're going to, you know, they've got to figure all this stuff out because, you know, they made the trade this season for Russell Westbrook. Now, if you're getting the Russell Westbrook from like five years ago, pairing him with Bradley Beal now, you're probably an amazing team. But at this point, Russell Westbrook is just a stat stuffer. He really doesn't do anything to help a team win. 
Um, and then around that, they have a bunch of young guys. They traded away Troy Brown Jr. and uh, Bo Wagner, but they traded those guys for um, Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchison, who are two you know, younger guys also. Um, Gafford being a younger center and Hutchison being a younger wing. Um, more of kind of a challenge trade at that point. Um, but around, you know, Gafford and Hutchison now, they still have Rui Hachimura, Denny Abdia, um, Thomas Bryant, and I, I really think that they need to do what the Magic just did and, tear, you know, tear this thing down, get whatever picks they possibly can for Westbrook and, and Beal. And for Beal, you could probably get a really good package uh, this offseason. You know, something in the neighborhood of the James Harden trade where you're getting, like, three first-rounders, three pick swaps, a couple good young players. Um, you know, I think that that's definitely possible with a Bradley Beal trade. And then with Ru Russell Westbrook, you're really just trying to get off of his money for future years. So if you can find a guy that has one year left on his deal, that big money um, to trade for, then that's what I would look for. Uh, that, that's where I think the Wizards need to go. They're, you know, they're, they're over... seems to think that they always need to be trying for the playoffs, trying for the eighth seed, but really they're at a point where it'd be best just to start rebuilding and hope that in three to five years from now, you're fighting for a top three seed instead of continually trying to barely get into the playoffs, missing it most years, um, you know, get off of that treadmill of mediocrity. Um, next up is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are 17 and 28. They are the 30th offense with an offensive rating of 104.6. They are the 23rd defense with a defensive rating of 113. Now, they really they didn't make any moves during the deadline, but they did buy out Andre Drummond, so he will no longer be there. Oh wait, they did make a deal. They traded uh, Javale McGee to the Nuggets for. Isaiah Hartenstein and a couple second round picks, which Hartenstein, you know, is still a very young player, you know, so they can take a flyer on him, see if he can develop some more um, decent, you know, second or third third big. Probably you probably want him as your third center. Um, but getting back two second round picks for Javel McGee is not not bad value. Um, and again, Andre Drummond is gone. So now this really opens up room for Jared Allen to fully take over as the center of the future. Um, you know that you know that the Cavs were uh, <clears throat> at least looking into moving um, Kevin Love. 
looking around the league, see if anybody wanted to take him on. But that contract is just, it's such a big contract for a player that just can't stay healthy and hasn't been in top form in a few years. Um, I imagine that this offseason they'll still look to, to see if they can find a trade partner for him. Um, but you may they may get to the point where they have to do what the Pistons just did with uh, Blake Griffin. Just buy him out of his contract and just get him off the team to where you can work in younger guys and finish off this rebuild that they have started. Because it looks like they have the beginnings of a decent team in their young guys with uh, Garland, Sexton, Okoro, and Allen being the kind of the pillars. And then around them, you Dylan Windler, Chetty Osman, um, you know, being support pieces. And so I think they really need to uh, try and get away from Kevin Love, maybe trade Larry Nance Jr. and get some picks from him too. And really uh, build this team around these young guys that they have. So next up is the Orlando Magic. The Magic are 15 and 30. They're the 27th offense with 105.2 offensive rating, and they're 18th on defense with 111.8 defensive rating. Now they, you know, I I applaud what the Magic did this this trade deadline. They made three really big trades to move off of guys that have been important pieces for them, but have also led to them getting the eight seed a couple years in a row and then just getting stomped in the playoffs and not looking like they really have any more potential as a group higher than that. Um, they just sent Nikola Vucevic to the Bulls, getting back a couple first-round picks, Otto Porter Jr. and Wendell Carter Jr. They sent Evan Fournier to the Celtics, getting back a couple second-round picks, and they sent Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets, getting back Gary Harris, a young prospect in R.J. Hampton, who's just a freak athlete. Um, and I think they got a first-round pick out of that as well. Um, so this is a team that they're looking to build this team around their young guys. Right now, Markel Fultz, John, Jonathan Isaac are their, their pillars. <clears throat> they're hoping that Either Wendell Carter Jr. or Mo Bamba can s- step up and finally fulfill their their potential. Um, they're both taken in the same draft class, and both have you know have had decent moments, but you know really haven't lived up to the potential that people thought they had. Especially Mo Bamba, he's he's been kind of a disappointment there. But you know now that there's not the pressure of making it into the playoffs. Um, Immediately, uh, you know, maybe there's more opportunity for them to grow and develop instead of riding the bench because the guys in front of them, the veterans, are better. Um, now, I think that uh, Steve Clifford's job is safe. I think the GM's job is safe with the Magic. I think they probably went to the owner and said, hey, you know, we've 
kind of peaked out with the group that we have. We need to rebuild around Isaac and Fultz and hopefully, you know, have a higher potential than the eight seed and getting destroyed in the playoffs. Um, really the last holdout of that that group that's been with them for the last few years is Terrence Ross. Um, they weren't able to find a trade for him at the deadline, but I'm sure this offseason they'll find somewhere to send him um, and really build around the young guys that they have. They also, um, you know, they drafted Cole Anthony this year, point guard. Um, he's a building block, I think, for them. They drafted Chumo Kiki a couple years ago. Um, he sat out last season. Um, his, so this year is technically his rookie year, even though it's his second year with the Magic. Um, you know, so they have some young pieces to start building this team back around. Uh, but it's going to take time for the Magic. But I always appreciate it when a team actually goes through a rebuild instead of, um, you know, oh, we're going to trade away this one star that we had. But, oh, we're winning some games. You know, maybe maybe this is the group that we needed. And, and this is the group that will take us, you know, deep into the playoffs. And then, you know, for the next five or six years, it's, you know, seven, seventh seed, eighth seed, missing the playoffs. You know, for lots of years in a row and never really showing any potential to do any better than that. So, again, I applaud the Magic for actually going into a rebuild. And hopefully they all have the patience to slowly build this thing up and build it the right way. Last up is the Detroit Pistons. They are 12-32. and 32. They are the 24th ranked offense with 108.5 offensive rating and a 111.7 defensive rating, making them 17th. Now, this is a team that... It's kind of kind of hard to see exactly what they're trying to do. They have some young pieces that are that look pretty good, and like uh, Isaiah Stewart and uh, Sadiq Bay. Um, Josh Jackson's look pretty good for them. Um, Seku Demboya still hasn't shown a ton yet, but still has a lot of potential. Still very young. Killian Hayes. Um, got injured this year. Um, they're hoping he can be their point guard of the future. They traded for Dennis Smith Jr. Um, he's looked a little bit better with them. Uh, but then they also have guys like Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, um, Wayne Ellington, Rodney Magruder on the team that you know make it to where they're going to win a few more games than what they'd probably like to. Um, I think it would probably be best for them to probably buy out Magruder and Ellington, let them go to free agency, um, and try and, you know, kind of lose out and have the best odds to get the number one pick this year, um, because then, you know, you can draft a, a franchise-changing player like, uh, Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, um, 
so yeah, that's what I'd be doing if I'm the Pistons, and then looking to see if, you know, you can turn Jeremy Grant into a couple second round pick, or a couple first round picks during the offseason in a trade, maybe you can trade Mason Plumley for a pick, um, you know, so I'm hoping that they start finalizing getting into a rebuild, basically, instead of trying to just barely hang around and you know, they're, they're kind of in that position I was talking about, that treadmill of mediocrity where, you know, when they're healthy, they have good enough players to where they're going to be in the playoff hunt, but they're probably going to miss it most years, and you, you just really don't want to be in that point. You know, you want to have a, a, uh, a ceiling that, you, you know, that is much higher than that you know maybe for a couple years you're the 7-8 seed but that's because you're building things up but you can see that if things go right in the next few years you're going to be fighting for you know those top three seeds um but yeah so with that that ends this uh, eastern conference roundup thank you so much for listening have a great day and bye